0: Welcome to footballgameplan.com, where football makes sense. I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook. Joined with Teron Davenport, our football game plan analyst. And this is day two, practice three and four of the East-West Shrine game, the 2016 East-West Shrine game at in St. Petersburg, Florida. A, a very spirited practice today on both sides of the ball, Teron. And first of all, just starting with the East team and Getting your take on what did you see and, and what were some of your takeaways and, and guys that stood out to you?
1: Well, looking at the East team, I, I think that Chris Brown really stood out today. One of the things I liked was how well he caught the football. He did really well in one on one, and he also excelled in, in team as well as in uh, a seven-on-seven. So he was a guy that was able to catch some short passes. He did get a deep pass uh, as well in one-on-one. So I, I like what he was able to do.
0: Yeah, and you look at another guy that I thought. I, first of all, I thought overall the passing game for both teams did exceptionally well. I'm not not both teams. I'm sorry. You look at the East team and their passing game. We we had issues yesterday talking about their quarterbacks and you know just saying that the passing game didn't do as good. So I, I mean, when you look at Blake Frynapple, I think he was the best one out the bunch today on on that side on the East team and. You know, you just want to see these guys continuously getting better. We kind of expected that when you look at guys that are in town for the first time, playing with each other for the first time, and just trying to get real familiar with skill set and things like that. So I thought overall the passing game looked a lot better. But Front um, but Apple was one guy that I thought did a great job. Joe Stabby actually had a really good day throwing the football. Um, and Brandon Ross, the tailback out of Maryland, another one that had a really good day.
1: Yeah, I agree with you on Ross. We got to see him uh, make a couple of nice long runs in, in the team period, so 100% on him. I, I was looking at the offensive line, because I know we, we had one of the, the guys ask us to look at Fawn Cooper, and I, I watched him some, but uh, it just, in looking at them, I came away impressed with the other side of the football, and we'll, we'll talk about those guys on the defensive line for the East.
0: Well, Parker uh, Edinger, or Anger, have you pronounced his last name? Ehinger. So Parker Ehinger out of Cincinnati. Some people ask whether or not he was a tackle or was he a guard. For the most part, I saw him lined up at guard today. And so when you think about a guy that can play inside and outside, it gives you that flexibility. But I thought he did well for uh, a guy that's 6'7", 3'18". Nice movement, nice skill set. I just thought he had a very solid day. Like I said, offensively speaking, um, there were some bright spots for the East team. And you saw De- Devon Johnson from Marshall have a, a really good day catching the football, laying out blocks. I thought he performed well. Um, Chris Brown, as always, just noticed that he catches the football all the time. I, I don't think I've seen him drop a pass this week in practice. So, you know, moving over to the defensive side of the ball, um, starting with that defensive line and working our way back to the back seven up front who stood out to you the most today
1: (laughs) well I have to smile because I I really came away pleased with a couple guys and just specifically in the middle of of that defense looking at Javon Hargrave and also now uh, Lawrence Stample the the Florida State kid these guys are are built for that position and it it, is very clear that that they're able to get that quick penetration well Hargrave got the quick penetration sample. He just was able to just just create a pile right there, just just create a traffic jam and make it harder for the running backs. So I, I like those two. I know you have a guy out of Stony Brook that, that really stood out as well. So go ahead and tell me a little bit about him. Well, Ochi is another guy
0: that, again, we talked about him yesterday. We talked about him on Twitter this afternoon. And just to wrap it up, he is a guy that, that I think is just a classic defensive end. He's short. But he is explosive. He plays well with his hands. He has great length uh, as far as like playing with length. And if you think about it, you talk about how explosive all of these guys were off the ball. I'm looking at the roster right now. Javon Hargrave, 6'2", 295. Uh, Niall Lawrence uh, Stample, 6'1", 302. You also look at another guy that had a really good day in Anthony Zettel. He's 284 pounds. Um, he can play in as well. Connor Woojack, Woojack, um, Wusiak, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's only three They're not big up front. They are all lighter, quicker guys, and they gave that offensive line problems. Now, you look at the second level, the linebackers. There was a guy that stood out all day long from the Big Ten. Who, stood, who was that guy? Tell the people who's who's the player that stood out the most from
1: that area. Yeah, it's going to have to be Joe Bolden. And I, I told you when we were walking away after the practice, I said, man, the way that he's always around the football, it reminds me of watching Chris Borland at – the senior ball a couple of years ago now obviously Borland is, is a more is a shorter uh, uh, stocky type of guy and we're, we're looking at, at this Michigan at Bolden and he's 6'3", 232 but I tell you what anytime someone had the football you saw number 34 in the area and that's what you want especially out of an inside linebacker middle linebacker both essentially the same thing as you know but always around the football so that really stood out to me about him yeah, and moving on to the secondary, I mean, and granted,
0: there's a bunch of guys that stood out all day long defensively. I just thought the defense overall had a really good day. Terrence Smith out of Florida State was real well, did really well. Uh, Romeo Acura out of uh, Notre Dame was another one that had a, a solid day. Um, and Anthony Harrell out of Florida I thought did well too. He actually had a lot of scouts talking to him after mm-hmm. the game, uh after say so after the game, but after the practice. So that that's always a great thing to see. When you hear now, moving on to the secondary, uh, you talked to one of the guys today, Justin Burris, uh, out of North Carolina State. What stood out to you about him, and why he was so impressive out there?
1: Well, it was just his size. Watching him move that, at that size, also, and uh, obviously they didn't really get the chance to press uh, and be as physical at the line. But when he told me afterwards that he takes pride in being disruptive at the line of scrimmage. And killing the timing, man. That's that's all you want. You run a man type of system. That's all you want out of the corner. So Bird's definitely stood out stood out to me. Um, looking at some of the other guys, I know you had a guy from South Florida that you talked about throughout the the whole practice. So what what's what's the deal with him? Well,
0: and you're talking about Jamie Bird. I think Bird is a guy that he's kind of like Tony Jefferson, to where you don't know where you want to put him like you may look at him just physically and say he's a corner. Then you may see him lined up as a, a weak side linebacker, uh, essentially in a four, two, five or a three, three, five or something like that. You may see him back deep. Like we saw today in the a deep third. So I think you can, he's a safety. You can move him around. He can hold his own in coverage. He can cover slot guys. He has a nose for the football. And I just think he's a very good overall football player. And I like football players because that's the game that we're playing and he's a guy that definitely finds his way around the football, like you mentioned. But what's interesting about the East team, I think, is that I think they're they're playing more like you would expect the West team to play, let's say from a defensive perspective. You know, they got Jerry Glanville out there coaching the defense. you think with that type of mindset and his aggressiveness that the East would be playing like that. But kudos to, to uh, you know, what they're doing out there with, with uh, James Harrell coaching the defense and, you know, James, uh, Sam Madison, I'm sorry. He's a guy, mm-hmm. I thought he had a huge impact today. I mean, I'm, yes. I'm excited. to. He got me excited to, to play cornerback um, by how he coaching, coaches up these defensive backs. So what did you take from him today? Yeah, it,
1: you mentioned on, on Twitter about how he consistently told them to look for the ball. And we talked about it, just how he, he's so hands-on. And you see that he goes out on the field, shows them how to do it, the constructive criticism to even when they do something wrong, he helps them understand the good in the wrong that they did, but then corrects what it was that they did wrong. And I think that showed today with Justin Simmons on, on a crossing route, showed him how to use his length to get in front of that football and, and knock it down when the, the ball is being thrown to those short crossers.
0: Now you talked about, you, you, I'm glad you brought something up, you talked about coaching guys when they make mistakes. One thing that we've seen a lot as we transition to the West, and I made this comment on Twitter about how we all could be at one event watching the same thing and see different things. So when you see guys that are dropping the football, you know, like the wide receiver from Utah State, um, name slips my mind right now, but he hasn't had a a Hunter Sharp. So – and. On the positive side, he does a great job getting out of his breaks, does a great job running his routes, you know. But that's only one part of being a receiver. you got to catch the football. And you you see a lot of that coming about. You have different – I think you have different levels of non-catching the football or what they consider can't catch. Like a lot of people bring up Will Fuller, you know, saying he can't catch. But that I don't think that's true, essentially. I mean, he dropped passes – just like I thought Ty Montgomery drops passes, but that doesn't mean he can't catch. So, what's your take on drops and Will
1: Fuller? And can you actually improve on catching? Yeah, you could definitely improve on catching. Uh, step one concentration. That's what happened with, with Ty Montgomery. And actually, last year at the Senior Bowl, I, kinda, I pulled him aside. Like, hey, listen, man, you drop one, let it go, because he would tend to allow it to go to the next play. Mm-hmm. But just looking at Will Fuller, one of the things that I see with him is a lot of body catching, and he's also a guy that tends to jump a lot on on throws that he doesn't have to jump on. And if you allow him to run down the field and and run under the football, he'll catch it. And that's what makes me make the comp of a Terry Glenn. You know, we always like to make comps and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, Someone has said uh, Darius Hayward Bay, but I think you're looking at two different athletes because you got the production from Will Fuller. But if you look, Terry Glenn was just as productive as Will Fuller was. Both guys tend to catch the ball with their body running the slant, so they would always uh, drop the football from from different time to time. So I think really the thing is, as we mentioned, concentration. But then you have to look at just doing different things to hone your craft, And, and that's the most important thing. When you're a receiver, your hands are the most important thing that you have. Well, your hands and your feet, you know, but you look at that, you need to improve your catching ability. And I, I know personally from this type of situation, I really wanted to make myself a more consistent pass catcher. And I remember my, my receiver coach, he gave me this tool, and it was a, a, a football. Mm-hmm. made. It was a wiffle ball, but a football, and it had a bungee attached to it. And he made sure that I put my helmet on, I attached the bungee to a fence right behind me, and I would throw the football, and it would snap back, and it just taught you just how to get your hands up, get your hands up. It's plastic, and it's hard, so you don't want to catch it with your chest. Right. And it, it forces you to catch the ball with your hands, and it also helps you generate better hand positioning. Catching that slant, you know, when you're kind of catching it with your hands and, and, and almost like, like pulling it to your body – like you, a shortstop would. Like a shortstop, exactly, like a short, like an infielder. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of pulling it to your body. You don't have that glove, so you have to, like, like a shortstop does, so you have to kind of use your hands as the glove, position your hands right. You catch it looking right into the tuck, and that's what allows you to catch the ball and run up the field. Looking it into the tuck forces you to concentrate on that football, secure it, and that's something you have to do in traffic. How many times have you seen a receiver let the ball hit their chest and the defender hits him, and then you see the ball go straight up in the air. Another DB comes, and next thing you know, he's on on Dion Sanders' five and fifth and prime <laughs> right. show yeah, right. on NFL <laughs> Network. So th- those are the things that you have to do. And I think that along with that is, is the Jugs Machine. You brought up the excellent example, and it's funny because I was just telling you how mm-hmm. the field and punts off of the Jugs Machine helped me improve my catching ability, and sure enough. Mike Lewis, the the former Saints punt returner and guy who came in to play receiver, he did the exact same thing and improved his catching ability. So there are ways. It's not something that, that just can't be fixed. You just have to work at it and and really be fundamentally better as a receiver. Now, you can't just allow yourself to
0: not focus on the football field because when you don't focus, you get hurt. Um, and then you see that a lot with guys that, that want to catch, uh, want to learn how to catch, and they tend to focus on, okay, I'm going to catch, I'm going to catch, I'm going to catch. Now they're so focused on the catch that they're not being an athlete, they're not catching the ball and running, or they got to stop fully, turn around, devote all of their concentration and focus to catching the football. And now you're not a receiver. You're no different than a running back or an offensive lineman on a tackle eligible or something like that, where you catch it and fall on or catch it and stop. You, We, we got you out there at, re, at receiver because we want you to get yards after, after the catch. Right. You know, and so, but you, you can improve certain things. Um, now, again, to what level of bet, of how bad your hands are is the key. Like, if you're just a terrible catcher, you probably get to maybe decent. Mm-hmm. If you're an average catcher. You can get to good. And if you're good, you get to great like that. You know, it just depends on how bad you are as a, as a receiver. Um, but I just thought that was interesting that we're, you know, we're sitting here watching guys catch. Another guy from early that I thought had a really good day, I wanted to going back to the East Team for a second, is Tajay Sharp out of out of UMass. I thought he did well catching the football. But once again, Geronimo Allison mm. for the West team, Illinois, outstanding receiver. Just looks the part, plays the part, was on a, and this ties into what I'm talking about of how you can see different things. Mm-hmm. He had the D B beat a couple of times down the field. Quarterback with a strong arm could make that throw. It's unfortunate that at the time he's running these excellent routes, getting deep. The quarterback at the time was Nate Sutfield, whom everyone, for some reason, we must either be at the wrong practice or, we're, or we're just not watching these guys at all. Because all, and, and I bring up a situation where you saw uh, Kajuce from Stanford doing, you know, just regular quarterback receiver throws. You know, they're throwing the fade, they're throwing the seam. And Kajus had to slow down a couple times. Mm. It's like, man, I could run. Like, put it out there, man, like in a jokingly manner. But Sutfield's arm is not strong. Like, I think people just assume because he's 6'6", 240, that he has a strong arm. But it's not that strong. They're going to find the same thing out about Lynch uh, when they studied Paxton Lynch. But, but what were your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, you mentioned Kajus and how he had to slow down. I, I don't know if you caught it, but they were running the quick corner routes and – he was one-hopping it to him. That's just not acceptable.
0: Mm-mm.
1: There was one throw that I, I, I'm, I'm sure that everybody posted that Subfield threw a nice deep ball. Well, he made a tight end at 6'4", 260 <laughs> pounds. Slow down for the football. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's no way that a big laboring uh, tight end like that should have to slow down. So mm-hmm. you also mentioned that... Allison was wide open on that post route, wide open, right in front of him. That's a throw as a 6'6", six, six, quote-unquote, quarterback. That's your throw. Right. You're supposed to have the strong arm, the nice release, high, and, and the lip. He didn't do it. This is practice. This is your chance to show that you can throw the football. Yep. Why take the check down on the crossing route? And there
0: was no safety back deep. He had to step on a corner, two-step. It was just him in the end zone.
1: Give your guy a chance to make the play. And he didn't do it. You mentioned that the, the wide receiver, Hunter Sharp, out of Utah, mm-hmm. and there was a very prominent draft guy that mentioned him, along with Sudfield. Right. No mention of Vernon Adams, who looked better. Than all of the quarterbacks out there. No mention of Dangerfield out of western Kentucky, who you talk about catching the football, everything with hands, always balanced, beautiful routes, works his way back to the football. He is a legit receiver, and you could tell that he played football a lot and caught a lot of footballs mm-hmm. in college, but no mention. And that goes back to what you're saying about, okay, what is it that you're really watching? And, and what's motivating you to to put stuff up about these guys? And that's really my question. Are you watching the game or are or, or you, you, you know, patting your pocket?
0: Right, are you hearing things? like Because if you're hearing things, then you, I mean, you, in this, because you want to, if you have the outlet and you have the opportunity, you don't want to mislead people. You know, if someone's not, if someone is catching the football, like we came out here with no, we came out here with a clean slate, you know, as far as like we're, we're just going to see who, who does what and judge it from there, which is what we always do. And that's how we find out uh, Geronimo Allison has done a good job, you know what I'm saying, without coming in with any preconceived notions or thoughts about a player. You know, even though I've seen... Vernon Adams came out here with a clean slate boom you know I've already greeted all my quarterbacks so I came in here with a you know if let's say based on what I saw on tape from Sutfield um, or Rudock or Dangerfield or whomever and I came out here with the same thought off what I saw on tape then I would be wasting my time so I came out here with maybe I was wrong let me see something live and you know and then but everything held up to course but you got to come out here with a clean slate, you know. I'll say this, though. One guy that has played well uh, on the West squad, he had a good, great day, is Derek Watt, J.J. Watt's uh-huh. uh, brother. He, he did a really good job blocking, and uh, we talked about this in our preview video, which should be out pretty soon. Um, and on the offensive line, I thought Via Tifolo from Arizona State. And you mentioned the tight end, Kevon Cartwright. Talk yes. about him a little bit and, and why you were so impressed with Cartwright.
1: Well, at 64, 245, I like the way he ran the routes, and I, I always went, when I look at tight ends, I, I like to, to have the guys with soft hands, secure hands, catch the ball in traffic. There was one play uh, on a deep crosser. He caught the ball in, in between two defenders, tucked it away, and you know, worked his way upfield. And that's what I like. I like guys that, that could catch the ball even when it's contested. So he's definitely a guy that I think will, will, will be a nice third down option. So he, he stood out. I didn't really see anything from him yesterday, so it was mm-hmm. good finding another guy today. I want to see how this carries over to tomorrow. So he definitely stood out. Um, I want to talk a little bit about a guy that, that you kind of pointed out to me, and, and I happened to be walking over, and I, I saw you taking a look at them in the drills with Steve Broussard, and I, I did a couple of vines, and a lot of people liked him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Storm Woods really was – he had good footwork. But there was another guy – that his footwork was was supreme. Man, you see these dudes, man, it's almost like like you
0: see you see I see a running back and you see you like you try to compare how you were to to these new dudes, to these new cats on the block and you mm-hmm. look in I watch uh, Daniel Lasco's footwork and I'm thinking like, man, I was trash. <laughs> like, you you compare, you compare your footwork in the same drill to what he's done. I'm like, yo, I was terrible. You know, you try to text your homeboy and try to get comfort. Like, hey, man, was I pretty good as a player? And, but you, you watching this guy's footwork, um, he asks a lot of questions, which is great. You know, he wants to get the drill right. And when, and he was flying through the bags. And then his at the end, they want you to break down, you know, make a move left to right, depending on the, the which way the coach moves, and also make additional footwork happen after you make the move. I mean, it, it happens so quick and so fast and so sudden. I'm thinking, like, goodness, this guy's footwork is outstanding. But, again, health has been his issue at Cal. And if he's able to stay healthy, somebody is going to get a tremendous tailback in the zone blocking scheme or, or a scheme that runs that outside stretch. Like, he's going to be awesome, man. Like, he's a tri- he has talent. Mm-hmm. That footwork and, – and, and Stormwood's footwork is good, too, don't get me wrong. Right. You know, I like how he sets people up. He set up a guy earlier – In team drills, I was like, whoa, like he broke them down. um, But Lasko's footwork is impressive.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. So those were a couple guys that stood out on the offensive side of things. Uh, Looking at the defense, I know I had a couple guys that I liked, and I'm sure you saw that team period, the final team period, that was dominated by the defensive line. Who stood out to you on the defensive line?
0: Well, I look at the guy from Manitoba, and – you know, you, it's rare you see a, a Canadian prospect come down and be dominant in the trenches. You know, last year they had a couple of receivers from Regina mm-hmm. um, who who are on the West squad that did well. Uh, Regina's a real good program up there in the CIS. Okay. They, they're well coached. Um, I know a couple of other coaches up there, and they do a great job uh, with those guys preaching the technique. So it's rare you see a defensive guy. Last time you saw a defensive guy that had this much impact Was Stephen Charles, who I think still plays for the Tennessee Titans, um, or the Buffalo Bills? I'm sorry. Um, He was like a top five draft. I'm sorry, top three draft pick in the CFL. Okay. Maybe number one overall, and chose to come back down and play um, with the Titans at the time. But now he's with the Bills, and he played. He's a good rotational player for the Bills. So he was like the number one overall pick there. But um, Ibuka Onyemata Onyemata for uh, Onyemata from Manitoba, 6'4", 300, strong. Now, they list him as a defensive end at 300 pounds, so that tells me five technique because he also has a strength to anchor. He collapsed the pocket tremendously, and also Tyron Holmes. I was waiting for him to jump out as a Mm. defensive end, 6'4", 250. I think he has the explosiveness to stand up, and it's funny because he's 6'4", 250, and we talk about a guy on the East and Victor Ochi that's 6'2", 255, but Ochi is strictly a defensive end, hand in the dirt defensive end. But Holmes is a guy that, that you can see stand up and be a 3-4 outside linebacker.
1: Yeah, I, I like how you mentioned him and mentioned him doing a uh, 3-4 uh, edge rusher outside linebacker because he set up uh, Nembot, a guy who
0: mm-hmm.
1: I feel is very nimble on his feet. He set him up with an outside and then inside move, and Nembot just was not nimble. anything. He wasn't nimble. Yeah, <laughs> he couldn't do anything. So I'm glad you mentioned him. And, and one of our guys, uh, Josh Zimmer from – NGSC uh, Sports had actually said to look out for him, so it was good to see the Montana product stand out. I, I like tone setters, too, mm-hmm. and there were two guys that I think really set the tone early in, in, in this practice. Azizia too, he was talking just exactly what his last name is to uh, a couple of the linemen, <laughs> well <to> <laughs> you know. Uh, the Ohio State guy, Chase Farris, he, he definitely gave him a, a lot of chatter about the Big Ten being slow, so and that carried right over into team period. He was able to get that pressure right away and and stuff the run. And everybody just fed off of it. C.J. Johnson also a six three, three hundred pound defensive end, and he he's just or defensive tackle rather. He's just he he's a, a disruptive player also. So those were a couple guys that really stood out on the defensive line. David Dean also from. Virginia, he was able to get some passes. Mm-hmm. That whole defensive line did an excellent job in, in team period. Any linebackers in particular that that stood out to you? Linebackers, uh in this in this, I think they all.
0: I think from a um, individual period standpoint, I like the athleticism of the the entire second level here. Um, you know, you look at the kid from USC, Anthony Sorrell Sorrell. Mm. Um, I thought he did fine. I, I thought he was solid. Uh, you know, James Couser, you wanted to see a lot more from him because he was a pretty big name coming in. And quiet as kept their defense was excellent. There's three guys from Southern Utah in this game. And so that tells you about what, what the Thunderbirds were able to do this year in the FCS. They made the playoffs. Um, but I really like the safeties. And I think you saw a good play from all of the safeties here today. On the West squad, led by Mike Caputo mm-hmm. out of Wisconsin, I thought he did well. And I mean, LaShawn Sims, another Southern Utah guy, corner. I mean, he he matches up well versus any receiver that they, that they have on the roster. And he's six feet two hundred pounds. He looks like he's about six one. You know, he's tall. He looks six two actually, but he matches up well. Um, and Mike Jordan, another one, another yeah. small school guy from Missouri Western, the, the Griffins. You know, um, so I think the secondary looked real. Good today, and I, I'm actually excited to see these guys continue to get better. I think now when, when we look forward toward the game, you're going to see good matchups across the board that, that we can't wait to see because we only see on one side right. compete against each other. So I, I would say linebackers played solid. They were good technique and things like that, but I really was impressed with the secondary today.
1: Yeah, I'm going to agree with you, and it's funny. Uh, Mike Jordan at the Missouri Western State kid I don't know that he's six feet. Nah. Uh, I mean, he looks like he, unless he has the Mark Kelso pad on the top of the helmet, I, he's, he's a legit six one, six two to me. I mean, yeah, we're talking about inches, but he looks big. He just looks bigger. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely want to watch more of him. Um, the secondary overall definitely did a really good job. The, the Utah kid, uh, the safety, uh, Tevin Carter, had a nice interception. He he picked off one of the quarterbacks, so uh, it was definitely good to see that defense play the way that they that they did.
0: Yeah, I, I thought it was just a solid day overall, much more spirited uh, right. this time around than what we saw yesterday. Um, we're uploading our videos now uh, from the morning practice, and we're gonna get the evening practice uh, uploaded once once that is done. And um, so you gotta bear with us, guys. We we getting all this video content. Updated, So that's why you saw all the interviews come out first, the morning interviews. We still got afternoon interviews. Um, and we're going to be joined tomorrow by our draft analyst, Chris James. He's going to be at the practice as well. So we're going to have three eyes on the, uh, three eyes, three sets of eyes on the field tomorrow. And some more analysis coming your way. But Teron, what what are some things you want to see from day three here at the East West Ryan game?
1: Day three, I, I'm really going to be watching uh, Kevon Cartwright. I want to see if he could carry over another good practice. It's already clear that, that the receivers that I like in uh, Dangerfield and, and Allison, they've been able to string together practices that, that are, are very productive and, and really show off. So I, I want to look at the competition continuing to be increased there was a night and day difference from yesterday to today. And that's why you have some guys start to stand out because you have guys who just, they have to be put in competitive situations in order to shine. And that's how I feel was uh, a lot of the case for these, these West team uh, athletes out here. And, and you mentioned a good
0: point, like guys stand out when you put them in those competitive situations, which is probably why I think tomorrow will be the best day. Because you figure Thursday is going to be a light practice. There's no practice or walk through on Friday. So they're going full tilt tomorrow, Uh you know, and give their bodies three good days of rest, for the two good days of rest for the game. So we're going to see probably the best day from everybody. I can't wait to see the East defensive line and put it on. I want to see if that offensive line in the East can get their pride back, can earn their helmet (laughs) stickers back, you know. They better do something. They better do something. And it's tough for any running back to stand out in this game, uh, in these practices because of how – it's set up, but I also am looking to see can these quarterbacks continue to build on, you know, like the East team did a solid job building on their success. Success, And can the West team, can those guys get consistent, you know, throwing the ball? Adams was the best one out there on the West squad. Can these other guys close the gap? Because of right now, if I'm looking at starters for both teams, quarterback wise, I would say Frynapple, um, for you from UMass for the East and Adams out of Oregon for the West.
1: Yeah. I, I'm not going to disagree with you on that one.
0: You know, so, well, uh, f- for Tehran, I'm Emory Hunt. And this was day two practices three and four for the East West Ryan game. Follow Tehran on Twitter at T Davin at T Davenport underscore NFL. He's done a great job getting, uh, getting interviews and interviewing these prospects. Um, then you can follow me at F ball game plan. I've been trying to get a lot of these videos, uh, from practice that so you guys can see we share with you guys and if you like the work that we do man like visit our website at footballgameplan.com subscribe to our youtube channel at youtube.com slash footballgameplan also take a look at one of our books one of our three books that we have released on football game plan um stiff arming football myths where we tackle a lot of the myths that we constantly see each and every day on the twitter timeline and and on tv and also the two great football books I think are vastly underrated. Um, football, a Love Story and What Did Football Teach Me? And that the, the short story about that, man, a lot of people don't know that. That process kicked off this time last year. Mm-hmm. The first interview we got for the book was Mike Singletary, who at the time was the head coach for the East team in the East-West Shrine game. So a little bit of history. Last year, this time, a great idea was birth. We saw it. Play out. We released it in, in uh, June, in July. And here we are a year in, and the books are selling like hotcakes. And you guys need to grab your copy and enjoy it. Um, and we'll chat with you guys tomorrow. Again, footballgameplan.com slash draft to see all of our video in, uh, and uh, insight from the East-West Shrine game. And if you want to catch any one of our podcasts archive, visit footballgameplan.com. Dot com slash podcast.